I have been talking about the subject of healing. This is part five. I teach in series normally unless the Lord does something different. And sometimes he does do that, but I feel the unction to keep moving forward here. We have been inundated with all kinds of uh, information about sickness for over a year now with the media and all that is around us. And I'm, I'm just telling you, you got to counteract that with something. How many hear me? If not, then you're going to be sickness-minded, and I refuse to be that. How about you? I'm going to have a mind that thinks about health, believes that God wants me healthy, and when the enemy attacks my body, I want to be whole. How about you? I say this, I'll probably say it every time. There will never be a time in your life that you don't need faith for healing, either for yourself or for someone around you. How many hear me? Susan and I had four children. If you got children, you're believing God for something all the time. If it's not physical, it's money because it takes M-O-N-E-Y to raise kids. Yes or no? And now Susan and I are blessed with eight grandchildren and a whole bunch more on the way. I hope my kids are listening. Anyway, you just always believe in God for physical health. That's just the way it is. We live in a fallen world. The enemy wants to attack. And you got to have something to counteract him with. And so with the negative atmosphere that we, we're living in now, it's, just, it's almost embalmed with unbelief. It's just crazy. And uh, so, so you got to have something to counteract it. So, you know, I don't care what you turn on. They're talking about sickness, talking about illness, and it's producing exaggerated fears in people's lives. Yes or no? I've never seen such an exaggeration of fear in my life. Well, you got to have something in your life that counteracts that. So for me, I constantly listen to something that has to do with faith and that has to do with healing. In fact, listen to that. I tell this little story. Uh, I have a, a, a bicycle, a, 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 a professional bike that I ride on the Noose River Trail, and it's near my house. And, uh, and so uh, I usually listen to books on audio when I... When I ride, and I, I grabbed a hold of this really great book, uh, there was a man who was born in 1843, listen to this story, uh, named A.B. Simpson, Albert Benjamin Simpson. Uh, he actually is the founder of the Christian Missionary and Alliance denomination, but he was a Presbyterian uh, man from birth. His family was Presbyterian, and, uh, and he had an astute mind at age 14. Uh, he was really became a scholar uh, finished school, went on to college, and uh, was just quite the man in the Presbyterian, in the Presbyterian denomination. He was an eloquent speaker uh, right out of Bible college and was uh, exemplary and pastored for a good while. By the time this man was aged, and let me say that A.B. Simpson died in 1919. I've got a bunch of his books. If you like to read, I have a recommendation. He's got a six-volume series called The Christ of the Bible Series. I have often left that book reading a portion of a chapter in tears because he grabbed my heart so profusely. This man was, in fact, anybody that reads his writing go, wow, what kind of guy is that? Just incredible. He had such incredible insight into the things of God. So anyway, A.B. Simpson, I was listening to a story of his life on audio as I rode my bike down the Noosa River Trail on Friday. And, uh, and, and I didn't realize all that he faced by age 37. He was a successful pastor of Presbyterian churches, eventuating and moving to New York City, but he became ill. He had been ill lifelong. He had very fragile health like lifelong due to some kind of a heart problem, and they didn't have the medical wherewithal then that you have now. This is like in, uh, 
in 1880. By 1880, I mean, he went to the doctor, and the doctor basically said, you've got about four months to live. So he said, the doctor encouraged him, do away with ministry, stop ministering now, because you don't fully recover ever, and you need to rest or you're not going to live long. Your ministry is basically done. It bothered this man so badly, and he had been known as quite the scholar. He was a very studious man, and uh, you can tell by his writings, just amazing person in the Lord, had a real consecrated heart towards God. But he began to study the scriptures about divine healing and came to his own conclusions Uh, as he looked through the entire Bible, that it was the will of God for God not only to save us from our sins, but to heal us at the same time from our illnesses. And he became absolutely convinced that God wanted to heal him. And so by his own confession, I've got a book called The Gospel of Healing by A.B. Simpson. I actually got it out yesterday after I had listened on audio, riding down the trail a long ride. I got it out and listened to chapter six. I read chapter six yesterday, the gospel of healing, and uh, and he said, "Here's what he said. He said, I decided because of what I've learned and studied out that it is the perfect will of God for every Christian not only to be saved from their sin, but to be healed of their disease. And so today, he said, he said there came a day that I accept Jesus as my healer from sickness." And disease, just like I accepted him as my savior from sin. We did that here last week, if you were here. And I thought, man, I didn't know he did that. And he said, God, I have a covenant with you. Here's what he said. God, you heal my body. Every day of my life will be wholly and completely devoted to you. I will give the rest of my life in service to the king. He said, my ministry, I don't feel like it's over. You have things for me to do. He made that commitment, and it was tremendous. Let me just say, if you want healing, God doesn't heal you for you to go do what you want to do. No, God heals you when you make a commitment. I'm after Jesus. I'm seeking first the kingdom of God. If you're seeking first the kingdom of you, and you want to be healed, you're on the wrong road to be healed. No, he made a commitment, God, I'll sell out my life. I'll make every day count for you. I'll make sure. And you know what? God healed him. He said he prayed, he felt the power of God come on his life. And he said he got up and he began to function. And then a couple of days later, he was in, uh, in New York near a mountainous area. And uh, prior to being healed, just going up some steps, just going up the steps of a building or, or going up the, particularly the second story steps up on the second story of a building. He said it was just torture for him and it would almost lay him on the floor. In fact, he took a long time to get over there. The Lord spoke to him and said, now since you're healed, see what you got to know about healing is you have to act by faith. And he said, since I made the commitment to God and believed I received healing, Mark eleven twenty four. 24, this is what he said. Jesus said, whatever you desire when you pray, believe you receive and you'll have. He said, since I make that consecration, God spoke to me and said, see that mountain? And there was a 3,000 foot mountain, very small mountain near where he was. God said, I want you to climb the mountain. The first thing his head thought, thought he said, was the last time I did that, I was out for a long time. But see, he had the promises of God. He had made a commitment to God and God had healed him. Now he had to exercise his faith. How many know faith without works is lifeless faith? 
So he said, I began to go up that mountain and he said, I took the step. He said, I took a step. He said, I took a step. And as I took a step, he said, he said, I felt the weakness just like I had before. It came upon me. It felt like I couldn't put one step foot in front of the other. But by faith, he said, I believe God that you have healed me. And so he just kept stepping. By the time he got up the mountain, 3,000 feet, he said, my vigor had returned. He said, my strength had returned. He said, I no longer felt the illness that had racked my body all of my life I was completely healed and he was healed for the rest of his life isn't that awesome he died at age uh, 75 age 76 or so I don't know that was just a really really good testimony of the power of God and uh, so anyway A.B. Simpson anyway I said all that because that's what I do I've got to find ways to counteract all the negative that I hear so I look for stories anecdotes like that that absolutely will encourage your faith also just get in the word meditate on the promises of God and that's the reason I'm teaching this series so you'll understand that when Jesus took your sins he also took your sicknesses so you could be healed Jesus spent a large portion of his ministry in Matthew Mark Luke and John we have a record of his ministry I mean multitudes followed him everywhere he went and the power of God would often come on him and every person in the crowd was healed is Jesus has Jesus changed today no he's the same yesterday today and forever if he was here today he would be concerned about sick people's bodies and would want to want to create wholeness and wellness in them would he not then who are we to neglect something that Jesus thinks is important I appreciate that one amen So we've been talking about healing. This is lesson number five. First week, I talked about fear. You got to deal with fear. Faith cancels fear and fear cancels faith. They're diametrically opposed. If you're in fear, I promise you, you're not walking by faith. If you're walking by faith, you can put fear under your feet and keep moving. Yes or no? We talked about it in detail. All of this is online at uh, victorychurchraleigh.com. My notes as I speak, you can go there and follow me on my notes. Sometimes I get through my notes, other times I don't. Second week, we talked about information sources that we listen to. Faith comes by hearing God's word. If you want faith, you got to hear the word and you got to keep hearing. Uh, uh, Faith doesn't come by having heard. So listen, I've been walking with Jesus since 1976, but I can't live on yesterday's faith. That's the reason I keep my faith built up all the time. There's scriptures that I have read, I'm not making this up, thousands and thousands of times over a 45, 46 year period. There's some books that I've read dozens and dozens of times. Why? Because they build my personal faith in God. So what information sources do you allow in your life? That's all important if you going to walk by by faith in God for healing of your body. Then we talked about we are responsible for our health in Christ. God provides physical healing, but it's just not going to fall on you automatically. You've got to pursue what God promised. Hello? All right. Then uh, fourthly, uh, uh, we talked about Last Sunday, well, it was two Sundays ago, we talked about seven reasons that you can know that healing is the will of God for you. And we said that because faith begins 
where God's will is known. He mentioned the fact you can know God can do anything. And people often shout and sing God's praise. Well, God can do anything, anything, anything. But when it comes to meeting their financial obligation or it comes to healing their body or getting them out of the uh, pickle that they find themselves immediately in, oh, I don't know if God wants to do it right now. Well, you got a healing. I mean, faith begins where God's will is known. You got to know God will do it. So we talked about seven reasons that you can know it's the will of God to heal you. You've got to make it personal. You may know that God could heal, could heal, but would he heal you when the enemy attacks your body? You've got to know he can. So we talked about that in detail. Last week, uh, we went to the Old Testament. There is a healing covenant that God cut with the Israelites, and I want to finish up with that today, and I'll go through this fairly quickly. Can you all put on your fast listening ears? Because we're going to get through it. Um, Hebrews 8, 6 says this, by now he is obtained, but now he's obtained a more excellent ministry, speaking of Christ, inasmuch as he is the mediator of a better covenant established on better promises. Now, now the new covenant, that's what he's saying, is the new covenant that we have with God. We are new covenant believers, right? And the new covenant uh, priest, uh, pros, uh, proceeds the old covenant. It goes after the old covenant, right? And so... And so if it comes after it, and if it's a better covenant, it's got to include what the old one had as well. Is that true or false? So last week, we talked in detail about that covenant. The Israelites came out of 400 years of, um, of slavery in Egypt. They were three days into a journey to the land God promised them, Israel. And, uh, and God made a covenant with them, Exodus 15, 26, and said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commands, and keep all his statutes. Now, now the, the verbs in the Hebrew basically say this, I will allow none of the diseases on you which I have allowed on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. And when God said there, I am the Lord who heals you, that is a covenant name that God made. It's Jehovah Rapha. Everybody say Jehovah Rapha. And it could be translated, I am the Lord your healer, or I am the Lord your physician. So God there took the responsibility to keep over 2 million people who had just come out of Egypt well as they continued on their journey of life to the promised land. Psalm 105, 37, speaking of this exact time, says this about the Israelites. He brought them forth out of Egypt uh, with, uh, with silver and gold and there was not one feeble person among their tribes. That seems like an impossibility. But how many know God can do it if you'll trust him? He, he, think of that. Kept two million people well as they journeyed uh, to the land God had for them. So from that, that covenant name Jehovah Rapha. God has seven names that he is known by in the Old Testament. God has, is known to be a covenant-keeping God. And God is known to meet the needs of his people. And you know a person by their names used to be uh, a name told a story about a person's life. We don't do that now. We just look in the baby name book. I like that one. But uh, in, in uh, heretofore, in yesteryear in America, and I've traveled, I've traveled a good bit to other nations. Other nations still do this. They'll, they'll pick a name that they believe that child will be and choose that name for that child. Now, that's amazing. So God's names hold great significance. Said all that to say that the, the name Jehovah, Everybody say Jehovah. Now, now, actually, in the Greek, it's a tetragrammaton, 
which means there are no, I know that's weird, right? So there are no vowels in the name, it's only consonants. So it's a name that wasn't meant to be spoken. And uh, even today, Hasidic Jews, they will not write or speak the name God. If you see the name God written by a Hasidic Jew today, they'll write the G and then leave the, the O, the vowel O, out and then put the D because they won't speak his name because they think his name is holy. And so again, uh, Jehovah, from that, from that uh, vowel-less, consonant-only name came, came the term Jehovah. And then so in your Bible, you'll see, you know, you, you got the word Lord, L-O-R-D, all in capital letters. That's that word. That's that word for Jehovah. And, and, then, and then other Bibles will translate that word. They put vowels to it, Yahweh. Y-A-W-E-H, Yahweh. And that word means, I'm just going to cut to the chase here, the self-existent one, the I am that I am who reveals himself in covenant. So when God uses that name, it's really a name of endearment towards his people. He's not existing just for himself. He exists to bless, to help, to aid, to succor, to bring closer. You get it? So that Jehovah name, there are seven titles, Old Testament, by which God revealed himself as Jehovah. Now, they're always true. How many know uh, Malachi 3, 6, I am the Lord, I change not. He never changes. Jesus Christ, Hebrews 13, 8 is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We get from that, whatever he was, he still is. He hasn't changed. Is that true? You know, we, we often sing the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it and are safe. The book of Proverbs says, so again, the name of the Lord is changeless and God goes by his names and God's names describe an element of his char- and characteristic of his character, right? So there's seven of them. You ready to hear them? All right, let's tune it up and, 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 and go fast. You ready? So the first one is Jehovah Jireh. Everybody say Jehovah Jireh. There it is on the screen. And it literally means the Lord will provide. This comes from, I'm going to show you the scripture where it comes from, Genesis 22. God told Abraham to take his son up on top of Mount Moriah and that God would provide and he wanted him to sacrifice his son. And Moses uh, and Abraham I mean, went to do it. And so it says, then Abraham lifted up his eyes, looked there behind him was a ram because he had tied up his son. He, and, and God said, don't do it. Uh, don't kill him. It was a ram caught in the thicket by its horn. So Abraham went, took the ram, offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of the place, the Lord will provide. Uh, As it said to this day in the mountain of the Lord, uh, it shall be provided. So God revealed there, if God could provide a sacrifice on top of a mountain, when it seems like there was none for Abraham, instead of him sacrificing his son, Abraham there proved his allegiance to God by doing something that seemed like a horrible thing to do, but God asked him to do it. How many know sometimes God will ask you to do something? Now he's not going to ask you to kill your child. He was testing Abraham because Abraham put that. You know, you might have a, you might have your favorite whatever, and God may say, I want that. It might be a house. It may be a car. It may be a, it may be a pair of shoes. It may be a ring. It may be, it may be a relationship you're putting before God. How many hear me? But God said no, and, and because God provided the sacrifice, Jehovah Jireh. How many know God is still Jehovah Jireh today? Now, that's revealed in the New Testament, Philippians 4, 19. And my God shall supply 
Sometimes supply every once in a while a little bit of your, no, no, no. My God shall supply what? All your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And see, that is Jehovah Jireh. He is Jehovah Jireh in the New Testament. Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Again, he's revealing himself and wants to as Jehovah Jireh. So let me just say, in the days to come, there are huge challenges coming to planet earth. I'm teaching again through the book of Revelation. We'll be on Revelation 20 Wednesday night. We'll we'll spend an hour at that or a little bit less. But nonetheless, um, uh, and you know, you, I was going through some of the chapters of the book of Revelation. It's like, phew, wee. I don't want to be here for that. There's some tough stuff coming. Regardless of what comes in our future, God's promised to meet us. Yes or no? And I've been through some personally harrowing experiences uh, with respect to finances and financial challenges, raising four children, being in ministry, moving to here and moving there, doing this, doing that, starting ministries and all that in my, in my earlier life. And you know what? God has always prov- proved himself faithful. The key element there is you got to sell out. God revealed himself to Abraham as Je- I am your Jehovah Jireh. I will provide for you. How many know he revealed himself that way to David? And David said, I was young and now I'm old. I've not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Yes or no? Now, what does that tell us? Regardless of the circumstances you may find yourself in right now or wherever we're going in our future, you know, in the United States or whatever's going to be happening in the world, we have the promise of God that regardless of what comes, God will make a way for us. He's Jehovah Jireh. I mean, his name's at stake. Psalm 138, verse 2, I will worship toward your holy temple and praise your name for your loving kindness and truth, for you've magnified your word above all of your name. I mean, God's put his reputation at stake. He honors what he said. If he said it, he's going to do it. If he's promised to meet my needs, he will. And y'all, I've had many times, I remember, and I got to move on here, but I remember one time Susan and I started a church in a small town. We had three small children. One was in diapers. We hadn't yet had our fourth child yet. But uh, we got down, we had one bag of beans in the cupboard. That's it. Nothing. I didn't have diapers to put on the baby's butt. We didn't have milk for the baby. We didn't have anything. We got one bag of beans. And I said, God, you promised You promised if I'd put you first. Y'all, that day, that very day, I went to do something, come back home. I had the whole stoop. It was a big porch. They call it a stoop. It was full of grocery bags. You remember that day, Susan? Full of everything we needed. I mean, we had diapers. We had baby. I didn't tell anybody. Some people say, well, you know, I got to need. I didn't say anything to anybody. And I, I guess God spoke, had to have spoken to him. We had, we had beans, we had rice, we had, stu- I mean, we had all the essentials to eat. We had meats, we had everything. We had groceries for a good while. And God always did it. How many know God will be faithful to you regardless of, of the challenging times you may go through? Number two, he revealed himself as Jehovah Nissi. Everybody say Nissi. N-I-S-S-I. That means the Lord, our banner. You know, no, uh, uh, if, uh, if, if an army's at war, then you got somebody holding up the flag. Iwo Jima, they got, to, they got the American flag. We're still up. They're shooting the tar out of us, but we're still alive. And, uh, and the guys look at the flag. What does the flag say? We're going to victory. We're not going to stop, right? Are y'all awake? The Lord, our banner, 
the Lord our victor or the Lord our captain. That is, he's in charge when we're having a hard time. This comes from Exodus 17. Now, Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose us some men and go out, fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. So Joshua did as Moses said to him, fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And so it was when Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. When he let down his hands, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands became heavy. And so they took a stone and put it under him. He sat on it. Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side, one on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and recount in the hearing of Joshua that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven and then here it is, verse 15. And Moses built an altar called its name, the Lord my banner. Jehovah Nissi. Now you got to understand the things we're reading in the Old Testament, they're for us today. See, God promised to fight Israel's battle for them. God promised Israel, if you'll honor me, walk in my covenant, do what I tell you to do, I'll fight every battle you got. I'll be your victor. I'll hold up the banner. I'll, 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 I'll tell the truth to keep moving forward. You won't lose, you'll win. Now, I don't know about you. I ha- I've had a two or three tests or trials in my lifetime. Have you? So what if you go into a hard place in life knowing that God's promised to be Jehovah Nissi? Is that good news or bad news? Old, in the New Testament, we have the promise, Romans 8, 37, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. How about Romans 8, 31 and 32? What shall we then, shall we then say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also freely give us everything else? 2 Corinthians 2.14. Now thanks be unto God, who always leads us in triumph in Christ, and through us diffuses the fragrance of his knowledge in every place. How many know when you're in Jesus and you've got a covenant God called Jehovah Nissi, if you belong to God, you smell good. If you don't, you stink. In every test... In every challenge, see, what does this say? He's promised us a way through it. Have you ever been through a hard place in life? Do you think any hard places are ahead of you? Believe me, you keep living, there are going to be some hard places ahead. What does this give us confidence in? That regardless of what we go through, we're going to find a way out. God will make a way of escape for us, yes or no? Here's what you need to do, and this is a big message I don't have time to finish today, but, you know, there are two different kinds of tests. Some tests... Some hard places are character refinement tests. And God will allow you to go through a hard place in life. Now, this is not sickness, disease, or anything else, but it's a place that will test everything about you. And if you're worth anything in God, you're going to go through those places. Even Jesus himself in Matthew 4 and Luke 4, the scripture says Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Now, what does that mean? God led him on purpose into a hard place. If we had time and talked to everybody in this room, you got to say sometimes God will lead you into a hard place. Sometimes God will have you take a job and it's way above you. Sometimes God will have you start a business and you don't know what in this world's going to happen with that thing. Sometimes God will lead you in a particular place. For me, as a 30-year-old, God had me start a, a church in a small town. Nobody knew me or, me or even liked me. 
But you know what it did? It tested everything on the inside of me. And as I was going through that test, I remembered Isaiah said that he set his face like a flint. That means he took his jaw and just set it, just clenched his teeth. This is hard. And I don't know why I said it, but I had a van at the time. I'd be going down the road. Life was tough. We had three small children. The church was just taking off, and it was hard just to do anything. And I said, God, you told me to do it. I've got my face set like Isaiah's, like a flint. I'm not budging. This is like eating nails, but I'm ready to eat another one. Let's go. Gonna do it. And you know, I made my mind up. If I have to stay here the rest of my life and do it just like this, thanks be unto God who always causes me to triumph in Christ. How many hear me? You gotta have that kind of idea. If you know that God is Jehovah Nisi, the Lord your banner, you don't quit. It's not smart people that make it in life. It's the people that choose not to quit. How many hear what I just said? I don't care how many initials you got after your name. I don't care how many accolades people give you. It's the people that don't quit that make it. It's not the smartest people that do the most. It's the people that refuse no. It's the people that refuse defeat. I don't know how many times over life, through life in ministry doing all the things that God's called me to do. I've had so many times it just felt like it was the easiest thing in the world to throw in the towel, take second best, just leave it alone. But God said, no, keep going. God is not honored if you don't win. He is Jehovah Nisi. He's the one that wants you to conquer. So it may be a test, a character test, or sometimes, or sometimes problems come because the thief's out and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Sometimes sickness lands on your doorstep. Sometimes there's opposition of the enemy that wants to steal every single thing you have. That's not God doing that. It's the enemy attacking you. You've got to know that God's got a banner over your life saying you're going to win. Don't give up. Don't throw in the towel. Keep moving forward. Anyway, I'm having a good time. I hope you're getting this. Number three, Jehovah Shalom. Everybody say Jehovah Shalom. The Lord our peace. Shalom means peace. The Midianites were attacking Israel. The Midianites would attack Israel at harvest season and steal their harvest so it would leave Israel with great hunger pains and they were deeply afraid of the Midianites. Gideon was called by God to deliver Israel from the Midianites and Midian was the young, um, Midian, Gideon was the youngest person in his family and he was the smallest guy. He was just a whip and he's hiding in a barn. And an angel appears to him and said, you're a mighty man of valor. Maybe it had something to do with being hooked up with Jehovah Nisi. He said, you're a mighty man of valor. He said, whoa, I'm not either. And bottom line was Genesis 6, when Gideon arrived, uh, realized there was an angel of the Lord, he cried out, oh, sovereign Lord, I'm doomed. I've seen the angel of the Lord face to face. It's all right, the Lord replied. Do not be afraid, you will not die. There was a belief in Israel at the time that if you saw God, you're doomed, you would die. And the angel basically said, you're not gonna die. And then Gideon, verse 24, Judges 6. So Gideon built an altar there to the Lord and called it this, the Lord is peace. To this day, it's still an Ophrah of the Abazarites. And so, you know, God's not out to hurt you. God's out to help you. And that's what God revealed to Gideon. God, God is a just God and he's gonna help you out of your stuff. So he, he revealed himself as the Lord that brings peace. Jehovah Shalom. How, how many know when you, the, the telltale sign that you're a believer is all hell's breaking loose around you, but there's something called the peace, peace with God and the peace of God that's on the inside of you. 
Yes or no? You know, before I knew the Lord, I, I just remember all the things I was doing in my teen years. Then I was just a mess. I was smoking pot, doing drugs, and doing things I knew I shouldn't do. But I kept thinking, I just, I, I, I can get no, I kept thinking, I can get no rest. I'm so unsettled. I'm so dissatisfied. Why was I dissatisfied? I was doing what I knew I shouldn't do. You ever been there? And, I, and, I, and then when I came to the Lord, I read in Isaiah where it says, there is no peace, says God, to the wicked. There is no peace. That's, that's the reason people do drugs. That's why they become alcoholics. That's the reason they become sexaholics or, or pornography-holics or food-holics or work-holics. Uh, people look for something to sanitize that, that, that feeling of, of no peace, no rest. When you come to Jesus, all of that changes. How many know there is no peace till you know the Prince of Peace? And until he comes and lives inside of you and, and rests your troubled waters. How many hear me? When he did that to me, it was amazing. You know, peace and happiness, let me say this, are two different things. Uh, the word happiness comes from a root word to happen. And so God never promised to make me happy. God did promise that I'm going to walk in the peace of God. You know, you can have happenings around you that upset your life, but you can be in the middle of all that mess and have the peace of God. I've been through so many tests, challenges, and difficulties, but the overarching factor is Jehovah Shalom is right there in the middle of the storm with me, creating peace on the inside. And if you've got peace on the inside, I don't care if all hell's breaking loose on the outside, you're going to make it through. Yes or no? Two kinds of peace. I want to mention this quickly and move on. There's peace with God. And peace with God means being born again. And that's, what, and that's what God was trying to get through to Gideon. Gideon, I'm your friend. I'm not your enemy. I'm not here to hinder you. I'm here to help you. I, I am, I'm Jehovah Shalom. I've come to bring peace to your life. New Testament, Jesus came to bring peace to us. Romans 5.1, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And so peace with God means your sins have been dealt with and there's no more turmoil on the inside. Yes or no? Ephesians 2.14, for he himself is our peace who has made both one and has broken down the middle of wall of separation. There was as it were a wall separating us from God has been broken down in the Lord Jesus and we have peace with God. Then there's another kind of peace as a Christian we should walk in and it is the peace of God. And the peace of God is the telltale sign as to whether or not I'm walking in the known will of God for me. There, it is not possible to walk in the peace of God and be doing what you know God told you not to do. That going over real big. Colossians 3.15 says this, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. That word rule, I mentioned a few weeks ago, the word rule there is the same word we get our word umpire from. Let the peace of God be umpire in your hearts to which you're called in one body and be thankful. We're to follow the peace of God. Some people, before they get married, they need to check up and make sure they got peace before they marry that person. They might get themselves into something they can't get out of. Other people, before you start that business, you better think twice. You got the peace of God. Before you have a relationship or friendship with that person or you choose that job over there or decide to buy this house over here, do you have the overarching peace of God? It determines for us as the determinative factor to the will of God. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. How many know he's Jehovah Shalom? 
And we're to let that peace guide us. We're, we're to let that peace guard us. And then number four, Jehovah Reah. Everybody say Jehovah Reah. The Lord, our shepherd, that comes from Psalm 23. The Lord, Jehovah, is my Reah. He's my shepherd. I have all I need. He lets me, that's not the jolly green giant. It's just that, it's just that metal up there expanding as it gets hot. That, doesn't that sound great? He lets me rest in green meadows. If you're listening to me on podcast, we got the ceiling making noises here. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you're close beside me. Your rod, your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jehovah Reah means God's taking care of me day and night. How many think that's good news? So see, regardless of what pickle you find yourself in, challenge you face, circumstance, sometimes you get yourself in a bunch of mess and you don't know how to get out of it. When you cry out and say, God, I repent. How many know he can be Jehovah Reah? He'll be your shepherd and he'll show you the way. How many hear what I'm saying? A shepherd takes care of his sheep day and night. He assumes their total care, food, shelter, safety, guidance, personal oversight. How many know Jesus said, I am the good shepherd? You know what that means? That means in every detail of life, he's gonna watch over you, help you, protect you. And I don't care how old or young you are, he's promised promised to care for you. Is that good news? Is that exciting or not? How could I not wanna submit myself wholly to somebody who treats me that way? The fifth one is Jehovah Sidkenu. Everybody say Sidkenu. The T is silent. I know it's a weird word. You'll never pronounce that word again ever anywhere except right here. This comes from Jeremiah 23, speaking of the future of Israel when the Messiah returns. And it says, but I will gather together the remnant of my flock from the countries where I have driven them. I will bring them back to their own sheepfold and they will be fruitful and increase in number. Then I will appoint responsible shepherds who will care for them and they will never be afraid again. Not one single one, not a single one will be lost or missing. I, Jehovah, have spoken for the time is coming says the Lord when I will raise up righteous descendants from King David's line this is talking about Jesus the Messiah when he comes back in his 1000 year reign he will be a king who rules with wisdom he will do what is just and right throughout the land and then verse 6 in his day Judah will be saved Israel will dwell safety safely now this is the name by which he will be called the Lord our righteousness. Two reasons that was said. Number one, Israel during that day, uh, that people were not treating them fairly. They had kings who were not just. They were completely unjust, completely unfair. And you know, we're living in a day now where where it looks like things that are, are being done that are unjust, that are unfair in so many levels of life. Is that true? Jesus is coming one day and he has righteousness. He has righteous judgment. Bring that over to the New Testament. Jehovah Sid Kenu, Jesus has become our righteousness. Now, this, this is an interesting word study I did many years ago. You, you'll find the words in the New Testament, just, justify, and justification. And then, and then on the other end, right, righteous, and righteousness. 
All of those words came, come from the same word in the original language. That which justifies makes you righteous. That which justifies is right. Jesus justifies us from sin. What's a good, simple, almost oversimplistic uh, uh, definition for justify? Just as if I'd never sinned. Is that awesome? That means God is completely just. He placed my sins on Christ. Jesus became my sin so I could be righteous and stand before God as though I had never done wrong. Is that good news? When you feel guilty or condemned because of present failures or by remembrance of your past, some thought comes to your mind. Remember three years ago, May in 2018, remember where you were? Remember what you did? Or May 2012, where you were, what you did, what you thought, how you acted, what you led in your life? Who do you think you are? Opening your Bible, uh, uh, reading Bible in church, listening to a pastor, singing the praises of God. You're not worth, and you need to say, shut up, because, because Jehovah Sidke knew is coming to your life, and Jesus has made you righteous. Is that good news? Romans 8, 1, so there is therefore now no condemnation to those who belong to Christ Jesus. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. You gotta know this about sin. When God forgives sin, it's a legal thing. It would hold up in a court of law in, in, in a law-bearing nation. So, so there is a legal term uh, when someone is charged with a crime and there is a hearing and a clerk of court, you know how they type, they really fast and everybody's talking and, and they got the witnesses, well, so-and-so did such and such and they have a hearing. Everything is written down and what is said that that person is, um, is challenged with is all written down and the judge, when he listens to everything in the hearing, and then that person becomes before a court of their peers and is found innocent. That judge says, you are not guilty. And then he looks at the clerk of court. He gets to them and say, says, expunge the record. What does expunge mean? Get rid of it, destroy it, just as though it never existed. When I come to Jesus, I have no past. Anything that reminds you of anything you did in yesteryear is never God. He expunged the record as though it never happened. Don't think about yourself. Don't live your life in the light of where you were, what you did, how you acted, and who you were with. Live your life in the light of who you are now. Jehovah said, Kainu has taken your case. Is that good news? Jehovah Shema, number six. Everybody say Shema. Jehovah Shema, the Lord is present or the Lord is there. And this is Ezekiel, it comes from Ezekiel 48. This is in the millennial reign of Christ. Jesus has come back and he's ruling over, over the world, the new heavens and new earth perhaps as have, have come about. And there's a, there's a 1,500 mile wide, long and deep cube called Jerusalem, the new Jerusalem, that will actually sit in midair over the current Jerusalem. And in, uh, in the new age in your glorified body, you'll, you'll be in heaven, you'll be in Jerusalem, you'll be on earth. You'll, you'll just go all over the place. It's just amazing. But here it's talking about all the way around shall be 18,000 cubits and the name of the city shall be the Lord is there. Jehovah Shema. 
See, God revealed this to his Old Testament people. The Lord was only in the Holy of Holies, in the temporal and the tabernacle in the wilderness. But now, thank God, we are the Holy of Holies. Now God dwells in us, New Testament believers. The Lord is there. He never leaves us. Listen to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. Is that good news? New King James says, let your conduct be without covetousness, be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said. And in the Greek language, original language of Scripture, here's the way it reads. I will not, I will not, I will not, says it three times, leave you nor forsake you. I have taken that in my life. I've been different parts of the world. I've been on lots of trips alone. Maybe you've been in the military. Maybe you have a job or whatever's left you traveling. Or maybe for whatever reason you're away from family. You can feel mighty lonely when you don't know anybody in your surroundings. I mean, I know how that feels, not to, not to have a voice that is familiar, not to even have a language where people can understand my my dialect, that's a weird place to be. I have called on this scripture. God, you said you would never leave me. Jehovah Shema, the Lord is there. Lord, I thank you for your presence. You know what? The enemy wants to isolate us and make us think we're alone. Nobody's dealing with what we're dealing with. Nobody's going through what we're going through with. And what you need to know is God is Jehovah Shema. He is there right in the middle of it with you and you're gonna be okay. How many hear me? Jehovah Rapha is number seven, the Lord your physician. And I just mentioned that. This is New Living Translation as I conclude. He said, if you'll listen carefully to the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, obeying his commands and keeping his decrees, I will make none of you suffer any of these diseases that I have allowed to be sent on the Egyptians is what the original says, for I'm the Lord who heals you. God has revealed himself to us as Jehovah Rapha. God is always settled in all of his names. If he has ever been something, he still is that same thing today. How many hear me? So here's the bottom line. Because of everything I just said, you can have confidence in God to heal your physical body. When the enemy attacks you, the only prerequisite is you have to sell out. If you want to live your own way, opposite of God's way, this will not work. But if you'll sell out to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm going to obey you every day. I claim you as Jehovah Rapha. And when sickness comes your way, you have the right to say, devil, take your hands off my body. In the name of Jesus, you have the right to do what Jesus said. In Mark eleven twenty three. speak to the mountain and say, be removed and be cast into the sea. And don't doubt it. Expect it to happen. And then you have the right to pray and the privilege to say, Father, heal my body of this in the name of Jesus. Over the years that I've walked with Jesus, I imagine by this time, thousands of times, I've had various issues afflict my physical body in all kinds of ways. Every single time I've called on God, done my homework, got in the Word, found Him to be Jehovah Rapha, and I stand before you without sickness, disease, or pain today. He'll do that for you.